You deserve to be informed. Don't get lost in massive inflow of information. Step by step, let's analyze and discern important news. We begin our first segment of Country Report. We present Kenya, the country of the week, an easy and interesting language. My name is William, the Asia editor, and we have editors from all around the globe. Our Middle East editor, Ahmed. Hello. Our Russia editor, Tatiana. Hello, everyone. Our Southeast Asia and China editor, Alex. I guess. And we have our guest from Kenya, Ifra. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Good. Doing all right. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, so our country this week is Kenya, and basically we're just gonna ask lots of questions to Ifra, who's from Kenya. I can take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, what do you guys think when you first hear the word Kenya? What what first pops into your mind, Ahmed? I think of a country in East Africa mm -hmm. where like there are a lot of maybe. I mean, for me, because I kind of know about Kenya, I know it's not just a poor place, but I would argue that that's what the image that many people would have is mm -hmm. to think about Kenya as a typical African country where there are a lot of poor people and um, like just a lot of villages where they don't have education, they don't have access to healthcare, and mm -hmm. so on. So underdeveloped, underdeveloped country that's okay. that's the first image okay how about you Alex I think as an American a lot of Americans think of Kenya they think of the Olympics and very good long distance runners mm. because uh -huh. they're always beating everyone <laughs> pretty <laughs> badly yeah they're known for that yes yeah. how about you Tatiana um, when I think of Kenya I think of refugees from mm. Sudan and Somalia mm. Okay. And it's always surprising to me how underdeveloped countries can still be so generous and um, put up so many refugees. Mm. Ifra, um, obviously you were born in Kenya, mm -hmm. but what do you think of Kenya? I think of it as home. I think of it as a place where where I, I belong. I can just be a part of the crowd. Um, it It's really just a, a place where, where I, I fit. So, mm. I mean... You, I mean, you brought up a good point with the fact that people think that Kenya is an underdeveloped country where everyone lives in huts. I remember in middle school, people would say things like, you know, what, were you, you know, born in a hut? No, I was born in a hospital in a city that's three times bigger than Columbus. Thank you. So, it, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it really is the perspective that most Americans have of Kenya, which is not completely true. Mm. Mm. So how developed is Kenya? Well, some parts are very developed, like Nairobi, the biggest city, um, and Mombasa definitely are co completely urban areas. Mm -hmm. There are the slums, like Madara slum, which it, it, the thing is, urban planning doesn't really ex exist in Kenya, mm -hmm. so there are patches of, of slums mm. next to places like the Westlands and Lavington, which are just gorgeous, beautiful places with, like, gates. Actually, mm -hmm. everyone in Africa has a gate. Everyone who owns a house has a gate. But these are the um. like the rich Bill Gate type of houses. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. And so, so there is um, a juxtaposition between like super developed, undeveloped. When you go to the village, like from where I'm from, mm -hmm. I'm from northeastern province. That's where the development starts to get kind of. Uh, it's not as developed, mm -hmm. um, and so the roads become less paved. Mm -hmm. uh, there. Are, 
animals everywhere. Like I remember when I was going to, to the village, we had to take a plane to um, Wajir, which is actually close to Degrissa where the attack was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, we took a car. And when we were going there, there was a hyena in front of the car one night we were there. Oh, it's yeah. just, wow. So it, it, it varies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of places do have electricity. Like I remember the first time I went, there was no um, electric lines. And then I came back. And I noticed, like, I wondered what was different about, you know, the place that my parents have called home, and that's my ancestral village. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it was the power lines. Like, they, they had power lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it true that um, 80% of Kenya is still a rural area? Uh, for the most part, yeah. But yeah. It, it development is getting there. So, like, there mm-hmm. are still, like, people have cell phones, and people actually can pay. There's a thing called M-Pesa where you pay your, like, phone, like, not phone bill. You can accept remittances. Does mm. anyone ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you can get through the phone. So, oh, yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. So you brought up many interesting aspects of Kenya already. Uh, there's communication part, at which uh, most often people think that they don't communicate through technologies, but they do. And according to Tatiana, it's 80% of the population who have access to phone. No, she said uh, she said um, 80% was underdeveloped. Oh, okay. okay. Which, yeah, yeah, um, which it... It is, but it also it isn't. And so the, there are facets of you know technology and high tech communication, but it's also still kind of like I said, like backward. So if a, where do you think the um, the money is coming from for development? Well, re- cur- well, there is a agreement between a lot of Chinese invest the Chinese right. government, Chinese investors, yeah. and, and the Kenyan government, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of money flow there but also like i mentioned remittances so people like my family who who, who mm-hmm. we have i have all my family was there and some of them like my grandfather's really old and he can't work so my parents will send him mm. money um and so yeah. there there also is cash flow okay mm. so yeah and uh, i think there's uh, speaking of the money coming into kenya uh there's this uh perception that africa gets all its money from foreign aid mm-hmm. and that is not true mm-hmm. i mean like there like there is foreign aid that's going to africa that's true but um most of the money that comes into Africa from the outside is coming from um, the Kenyan diaspora. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And exactly. uh, they're the one who are bringing money into Kenya. And for Kenya in specific, um, compared to like the rest of Africa, economically it's doing a lot better than the rest of Africa. Yeah. Its economy is growing at a rate of about 5%. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's pretty... So have you guys heard about... Um, so? Recently, mm-hmm. there were, um, there was talk that they were going to shut down the um, the companies that allow remittances to go to Kenya, and they actually did it. And for a good like one month and a half, I'll say you couldn't send money back to your family back home because um, they assumed that the money was going to fund terror and not food. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it finally has been revoked because my parents can finally send money back to to the family back home. Mm-hmm. But for a while there, it was just it was kind of. Um, Hypocritical because there are countries like the Philippines where almost 70 to 80 percent of the, the incoming money that goes into that country is remittances, whereas a place like Kenya, just because of the attacks, um, people couldn't receive the lifeblood that comes from their foreign born uh, diaspora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, I mean, there is that aspect. Yeah, that's, I think that brings an interesting question about um, like. Kenya and Al Shabaab, which is the uh, terrorist group that mm-hmm. is um, like in Somalia, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, how is like in Kenya on a daily basis? How is life uh, given 
the fact that there is one like there is a challenge on a neighbor country well it it's not really it's people go about their daily lives it's kind of just like in israel with the 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 the, the the palestinians they just go about their daily lives despite the constant t terror that occurs um in in the land and so i mean actually the border the border now is probably um more heavily guarded than it was when I was there because mm -hmm. honestly when I was there I could have gone to Somalia like, like this because my uncle he just pointed and said that bush two, two, 200 kilometers away that's Somalia you go There's, there was nothing <laughs> so it so the, um, maybe that like that lack of security mm -hmm. um, could have caused like I said these attacks mm -hmm. but it it's not really it doesn't really affect people in their daily lives mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and also you're your point about economic sanctions also bring about an interesting question of how or whether Kenyans think of these people, uh, mostly Westerners, blocking the aid. Like, how do they think of Westerners or Americans? What's their perception of these foreign people? Well, for those who require the remittances as like a, to like to live, it is of course harmful, and they see the Westerners as as trying to hamper. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I can't really quite tell you, everyone, what yeah. everyone thinks. Right. But, uh, but can you explain us a little bit about the, that uh, ban that was put on remittance? Um, I remember the story related to Somalia. And I um, remember that the company that was transferring money through the phones was shut down in California. And yeah, that's, and how Cal mm -hmm, that's how and it started. And I think the American started. government was involved. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, see, when, when you, when money changes hands here, it's usually documented, you can tell where the money is, it's very clear, um, but over there, the money just kind of, I guess to them it was murky, you don't really know who was getting the money, for example, like if I went and sent money to my grandfather and he gave 200 of that to like someone else who did something else, who could fund terror, um, and so because of that murkiness in, in, um, in cash flow, mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons why the Westerners, Westerners and the canceled. American government canceled remittances and said, because it's not clear, because we can't tell where this money is going to, mm -hmm. we have to stop this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, did you guys have any other additional questions about Kenya? Alex, you haven't spoken. <laughs> yeah, I do have a question. Okay. Um, so with Kenya having this amazing wildlife, how do you, they balance kind of this urbanization without affecting this environment too much? Is it more, I've, to kind of change the question a little bit, is it like, are there laws in place to kind of protect the wildlife? Is it thought about? There, okay, so... Now they do have like you have laws like you can't go out and kill the hyena that's sitting right in front of your car that's mm -hmm. scaring you. But um, it in in the past like for example my dad will tell me like one of the ways he met my mom was that there was this lion who killed a camel right in front of this tree and my dad my dad happened to kill this lion. I I know I think I really believe this because <laughs> no I really do because because, uh, because wildlife was just everywhere it was just apparent you saw it. Um, mm -hmm. now it's it's less. Apparently, you don't really see many um, indigenous creatures, mm. and so it b because there are these laws in place, and because there are reserves like wildlife reserves, mm -hmm. um, 
it is more strictly regulated, but you can still go out and find a giraffe and kill it, and, and no one will know because mm-hmm. they are because they are there and they're right. not restricted. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's because there's no really something called urban planning where you would strictly separate the lives of people from the lives of animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you actually you can because a lot of people are well, they're not necessarily nomadic anymore, mm-hmm. but there are people who herd their camels and herd their sheep and, and and goats, and so you can't necessarily like define a line and say this is the point where we have to stop herding because um, mm-hmm. agriculture agriculture is a big part of the Kenyan economy, so you can't. You can't really separate them yeah, and, economically. And, and coming with domestic animals, you have that type of like wildlife, like giraffes, which I would just see, you know, going on um, from my journey to, from Wajir to my village. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's and just there weren't that. in any, and there weren't any reserve. You just, they were just there. Oh, it's casual. It's yeah. casual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's um, great. It, there's not really like a, there are laws, but when it comes to practice, it's more, Loose, mm-hmm. unregulated. Okay. If I, is um, Kenya Islamic country, you would say so? Uh, I would say it. it's partly Islamic, but mm-hmm. not completely. Um, the country is maybe at the most 30, 35% Muslim. And, mm-hmm. then, um, and so they do hold a great like a weight, in, weight in the country. But um, a lot of people are Christians, animists. Um, and how do those two religions coexist? Uh, pretty peacefully, I would say. Um, yeah, there are even like Islamic courts where people can get Islamic marriages and Islamic judges to to judge disputes. Um, and everyone's everyone's fine with, with getting get along. Yeah, and even mm-hmm. in school, like they'll have like religious curricula. And if you're a Muslim, you learn like Islam, and if you're a Christian, you learn like the 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 Christian doctrine. I guess. Right. Um, so it, I think people coexist. Peacefully. Okay. Yeah. That that's a nice uh, ending to the segment, I think, and because we're gonna come back to the religion aspect and the terrorist attack on our second segment. So that was our country report about Kenya. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>